Welcome to the Fed Heads, a weekly podcast from Grant Thornton Public Sector. Join the Fed Heads, Robert Shea and Francis Rose, each week to talk about the arcana of government management and the people who are working hard every day to improve it. Welcome to episode 139 of Fed Heads. I'm Francis Rose. And I'm Robert Shea. Our uh, first guest of season four, Carlos Rivero, is the chief data officer of the Commonwealth of Virginia. Carlos, welcome. Thanks for coming on the program. Not only are you the CDO of Virginia, you're the first CDO of the state. What was your agenda when you took office? What did you have to do to execute on mission for your office, to help your colleagues execute on mission across the C-suite? And how did you determine that was the right agenda? Those were the items that you needed to move on first, Carlos. Well, thanks, Francis, and thanks, Robert, for having me on uh, on the show. So, you know, to be perfectly honest, the first thing you have to do is listen. You really need to pay attention to the culture of the organization and figure out where they're deficient, why are they deficient in whatever they are deficient in, and then make a plan to strategize and, and develop and, and, you know, improve upon the, you know, the status of, of that organization. So for the Commonwealth of Virginia, it became very easy for me in the sense that the legislature already set up, set me up for for success, if you will, by saying that one of the first things I needed to do is stand up the Data Sharing Analytics Advisory Committee, work with that advisory committee to uh, develop a permanent governance structure for uh, data in the Commonwealth, but also work on a pilot project on uh, substance use disorders, specifically opioids, to prove the efficacy and efficiency of using data to answer and address a complex issue. So, you know, before, they, they already laid out a roadmap for me, if you will, on the things that they wanted me to tackle, but then obviously how to tackle those things is really where the rubber meets the road. And being able to identify you know, which are the agencies that are involved, where are they with their data governance, data management journey, who are the key players involved in it, and how do we get them to participate in an overall data, uh, data governance framework and then establish a data sharing paradigm that the, that the Commonwealth can, can move forward with. I'm interested to hear what the reaction was when the aha moments occur about what can happen if you really tap into your data sources at the federal level, Carlos? It's dawned on us that we've got this tremendous resource in all these disparate data sources. Blending them, uh, ensuring privacy, making sure that everything remains protected, but we are nonetheless able to tease out insights from this data. H- have you had those same challenges? Are you interacting at the federal level? That's a great question, Robert. And, and so looking at, first off, where, where the Commonwealth was with regards to uh, data matching and entity resolution and then being able to link up individuals across multiple disparate systems, they, they've been doing some of this with the BLDS, the Virginia Longitudinal Data System, for about 10 years. And so they already had a precedent for being able to integrate data from a wide variety of different sources, do the entity resolution, and create an engine that allowed external organizations like academic institutions to have access to de-identified records that were at the individual level that were already pre-integrated that would allow you to uh, be able to map an individual longitudinally across the, the different platforms. So we did, we, we leveraged that. We leveraged the technology, but also we leveraged the, the trust concept, which is that legal framework that establishes the, the responsibilities and roles for each of the different entities involved in the data sharing relationship. And so we lifted and shifted a lot of those capabilities and scaled it out for the Commonwealth itself. So we now have an enterprise, what we call the covered uh, environment, which is Commonwealth of Virginia Entity Resolution for Enterprise Data. 
So it's doing all of the PI matching across multiple systems, developing that crosswalk table that is hashed and, and doesn't expose any PI whatsoever, and use that crosswalk to match individuals across multiple systems without ever sharing their PI. And so being able to have that in place, that infrastructure as a core capability of my office really facilitates our ability to link data sets, link individuals across multiple data without data systems without uh, you know, sharing any of their PII. Carlos, where do you see the greatest opportunities for uh, the government of the state to learn from data and to start to, or continue, to accelerate making decisions based on that data and, and, and changing policy based on that data? Well, I think the pandemic response is a great example of that. And so initially when, when, we, were, when we were all hit with the pandemic, um, you know, we were all scrambling to identify those data assets that would contribute to our intelligence, right? To be able to have more evidence-based informed decision-making. And, and as a result, you know, we were able to identify obviously the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association, Department of Emergency Management, Department of Health. And because we already had the common data trust legal framework in place and a lot of the architecture in place to support data sharing, we were able to bring them on very quickly build out intelligence products that the governor and his executive uh, support team were able to use to help establish policy of how do we respond to the pandemic. And in so doing, being able to be a lot more responsive and mitigate some of the impacts of the pandemic. And as such, being able to carry those lessons learned, which, you know, those lessons weren't just learned during the pandemic. We learned them through the opioid project, we learned them through the workforce development project. You know, there were a variety of different projects that were already, you know, that were kind of like setting the stage, if you will, for the lessons that we needed to learn to be more digitally resilient. And so as a result of that, um, we're gonna continue that path, right? We're gonna continue learning on the things that we've been experiencing and then being able to build out, because I mean, there's a lot of, opioids is still a big issue that we need to address. Infant and, and, and maternal uh, mortality are big issues that we need to address. You know, social equity, racial equity, those are all big complex issues that no one agency can address on their own. And so being able to leverage the lessons learned in the infrastructure and the legal frameworks and the governance frameworks to move those uh, initiatives forward is really the, the next step for us. You know, there's so much that other states, federal government, even international governments can learn from what you've done. You use some magic words that we love on the podcast, evidence-based policymaking. I spent some time on the Commission for Evidence-Based Policymaking that sort of helped drive the federal government forward in this space. Which he Francis likes knows. to mention at every opportunity <laughs> that he possibly can, Carlos. Absolutely, man. People's a big deal. So, You're not so, helping. You're not helping me, Carlos. That's, this is not how you get invited back on the show. I'm trying to be an enabler, Francis, man. What can I do? Could have been one of our top guests already. So, <laughs> is there a specific mission area in which you really saw a dramatic impact from tapping the insights that you're talking about? Definitely the opioid space, um, looking at a community-based approach to help facilitate intelligence delivery to individuals within the communities that are actually having an impact on on that crisis. I mean, you know, opioids have been around for a long time and we've been dealing with it for, for quite a while. So this is something we definitely know is not gonna be solved at the federal level nor the state level. This is gonna be addressed at the communities where the individuals are and where the stakeholders are, are being impacted directly. And so being able to empower those community leaders, whether they're law enforcement or social services or health services or what have you, with the right intelligence that ultimately means that they have access to data assets that aren't necessarily theirs, right? That, you know, folks in law enforcement have access to health services data and social services data and vice versa, and being able to provide them with the intelligence they need to make an impact in their communities. And then we, we tested it out first and foremost 
in that pilot project that I discussed earlier in the Winchester community. We expanded it out to Roanoke last year um, and Southwest Virginia. And now we're, we have plans to expand it out through the entire Commonwealth. And that's really one of the places that we're really looking to make the most impact, not because of the mission itself, although the mission is very important, but it's the pattern of how do we empower people to make the best decisions in whatever context it is, whether it's a personal decision. And one of those things like COVID-wise, right? We, we, we were the first to implement COVID-wise to alert individuals that they were exposed to someone that had recently uh, proved positive for, for COVID-19. So that empowers them to make a personal decision about what do they need to do? Do they need to self-isolate? Do they need to go seek medical attention? Do they need to get tested? Right? These are all things that are at the ultimate, at the ultimate uh, capacity is to be able to give intelligence to people that allows them to take action. Actionable intelligence is what it's all about. Whether you're an individual public stakeholder or you're an agency head, it's being able to take that intelligence that's being delivered and take action on it for the benefit of the stakeholders involved. We just have a couple of minutes left, but I wonder, since you got this mandate originally from the legislature, what your interactions with them have been like and what they have told you, we're really glad that we can now learn this, or uh, we really are looking forward to when we're able to access that or something like that, Carlos. Well, absolutely. I mean, performance management um, across any government organization is definitely something, you know, a lot of folks have been very, very interested in, you know, how do you translate policies and, and, re and dollars that are allocated for specific mission areas to results that have been generated in, in those services, right? Because services that we provide and outcomes that our constituents experience are two different things entirely, and how do you match those up? And so that's one of the biggest things that our legislators have been asking for is how do we map the services that we're providing and the revenue that we're pushing into these different services to the outcomes that they're experiencing, are they actually getting the results that we want? And those are one of the bigger things that, that our, all of our legislators have been really asking for is being able to take, get that picture back. And that's what we're working on is making sure that everyone within the Commonwealth has access to how we're performing and, and giving them the information they need to make better decisions about what new policies we need to implement, what new resources we need to allocate, and how to best uh, combine resources when, when possible. Legislators who care about data, that warms my heart. What about your staff? What about the skills that you need to get this work done? What's the, <laughs> what's the pool of talent available to you? And what, what advice to young people would you give if they want to enter this field? Wow. So uh, just to be clear, for the first year and a half, I had a staff of one myself. Um, and then wow. slowly I onboarded, I brought in uh, students here and there to help me with certain projects and things. And then ultimately I brought on a communications uh, manager and then now my deputy CDO. So right now we're a team of three, but we, we do have plans to expand out to a much larger team that includes data analytics specialists, BI specialists, data engineers, data architects, data scientists, data privacy officers, right? There's a wide array of different skill sets that are involved in manning up or staffing a team like this. Um, which we're in the process of actually writing an article on that, so that's kind of funny, um, that we're talking about all the different roles involved in, in a team like this. But one of the biggest things that we've developed internally is a web-based training for all Commonwealth employees on data governance and the importance of data governance for data quality and, and having data that's fit for purpose for the types of uh, uses that we need. But then also, how does the Commonwealth of Virginia do data governance, right? How, an introduction to the data governance framework at the Commonwealth and made that available through our learning management system to all 100,000 uh, Commonwealth employees. Carlos, you're doing terrific work, and we're very pleased to have an opportunity to learn more about what you're doing. Congratulations on what you're getting done. Thank you, Francis. It's a pleasure to be here and a pleasure doing this job. 
Thanks for listening to The Fed Heads, brought to you by Grand Thornton Public Sector. All of the resources talked about during the episode are available in the episode description. We'd love to hear from you. Connect with us on Twitter at GT Public Sector to join the conversation. And don't forget to leave us a comment or review on iTunes or the Google Play Store. Thank you.